This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your morning starts now. It's the Q102 Jeff and Jen podcast brought to you by CVG Airport. Fly healthy through CVG. For more information, go to CVG Airport backslash fly healthy. And here we go. It's my turn now. Uh, so here's here's what I'd like to do in the next hour on this Giving Tuesday. Uh, by the way, you know, the whole point of, of these uh, of these hours that we have set aside for the organizations, the nonprofits that are near and dear to us is uh, to really make a difference. And the Family Nurturing Center is an organization that is near and dear to my heart uh, because they're, they're all about ending the cycle of child abuse. Uh, all forms of child abuse. But in particular, I'll be focusing on child sexual abuse. Uh, 42 million adults in the U.S. are survivors of child sexual abuse. And I am one of them. And and I've, I've shared my story before, and I'll do it again today because uh, I think it's been probably five or six years, so there are probably a handful of folks who haven't heard it. Uh, but I think it's important because... It, People need to hear how easily it can happen to any of us. And, you know, my hope is that it will empower anyone who is being abused or has been abused to reach out and get help. And hopefully it will inspire you to act as well because the Family Nurturing Center is an organization that... uh, that works to end the cycle of child abuse. They're all about safe children, thriving families. And they do that through education, prevention, and, and when necessary, intervention. Uh, and, you know, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, some of what we'll be talking about, I've got some guests who will be joining me here in a little bit to share their stories, and I'm going to be to be straight up with you, some, some of what you're going to hear this hour will be difficult because it involves child sexual abuse. But it's necessary for us to have this conversation because not talking about it is exactly what predators want. Yep. <clears throat> and you've heard me say it before, predators, I'm not the first to say this, but predators thrive on a culture of silence. Uh, They want you to feel too uncomfortable to talk about it because silence gives them power and it enables them to to keep doing what they're doing. And I want it to stop and I, I, I don't ever want another child to go through what I went through and, and I want to help those who have or are to get the help they need, not just to survive, but to thrive and overcome and end the cycle of abuse forever. It's kind of the point, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. I want to bring in Curtis Clemens, who's on the board at Family Nurturing Center. And I really appreciate Curtis coming in and, and having this conversation with us because Curtis is also a survivor 
And these are difficult things to talk about for some people, especially survivors of child sexual abuse. But, you know, we have to have these conversations because predators thrive on us not talking about it. Well, and it, I think, too, it helps to break down for people that it, it does happen here or can happen to anyone, right? I mean, we know it can. Um, in your heart and your mind, you do, right? But part of it blocks it out because you think, like, oh, no, no way. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I blocked it out. Yeah. I convinced myself that didn't happen. Right. Because I didn't have any other coping mechanism. Right. So how did you learn about the Family Nurturing Center? Well, the Family Nurturing Center has a great program that's called Kids on the Block. And they use puppets. Basically, they go into schools and places uh, where they'll be, you know, around children. And they use these uh, puppets. Always feel confident on your second date. With help from the Plastic Surgery Group. Schedule a consultation at 513-791-4440 or at theplasticsurgerygroup.com. Surgery has an I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. It's in a show basically to educate children on, you know, inappropriate touching, appropriate touching, and what to do when that inappropriate happens or if you think it's happening to a friend. Um, so that program came to my elementary school when I was about, uh, seven or eight years old. And it was because of that program that I realized that I had been, been, uh, abused. Um, it had been going on for about a year, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I like to say, fortunately, some of that's a little fuzzy to me. Yes. Um, you know, obviously I, I know exactly what happened to me, but thankfully sometimes the, you know, exact timeline and things like that is fuzzy, which I think, as you mentioned earlier, uh, those that haven't experienced this don't often realize that, you know, but some parts of it are sometimes, at least for me, thankfully fuzzy. Right. But that's how I, I learned about them. Their program came to my school, had a huge impact because, you know, I had never been taught about abuse. Um, A lot of what I've been taught about was, you know, stranger danger from being kidnapped and, you know, people grabbing you at the mall. Right. Um, but not that it would be someone in your own family. Yes. You know, not that it would be someone you trusted, someone that you, you know, of course you would do what they said and, and go along with it and believe them because you had no reason not to, you know. Um, so, so through that puppet show that you got to see and it became clear to you that you were a victim of child sexual abuse yes i can't imagine the bravery it took for you to say something yeah i I, you know it was mentioned to a friend on the bus and uh, they told their mom so they listened to part of the presentation right and then their mom mentioned it to mine and you know I, i denied it at first i don't um, I think there's this, you know, you you don't want to admit that it's happening to you. Yeah. But I did. Thankfully, I said yes. And, you know, we had a, a great network around us. Um, you know, we went to, ended up at the state police post in Crittenden, Kentucky, you know, which one of my main takeaways from that was, you know, I got to go in the interview room and play with the mirror right you know turn the light on and off and uh sat in a cop car and played with lights you know because i i would think i would have been terrified yeah like this is getting real now yeah but you know what it's it was almost a like as people kept saying it's over it's not going to keep happening they were there to reassure you yeah and so i think you knew like it was scary but it was, yeah, it was it was uh, reassuring to a point as well. And to tell you that it's not your fault. Yeah, which I think, too, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's I'm 32 now, so it's been a long time ago. But, uh, 
there's still sometimes when I think I have to remind myself that, you know? It's insidious, isn't it? Yeah. How that sometimes has a tendency to want to yeah. creep right back in there. Pops back in. Yeah. But, uh, but thankfully, you know, uh, you spoke of statistics earlier. I mean, statistics are that if you don't end that cycle of abuse, it can keep going. And I'm extremely grateful to the Family Nurturing Center for the fact that, you know, their program, an assembly at school that, you know, every seven-year-old is excited for, right? You're you're ecstatic to not have to sit in class. Right. Um, but that, that puppet show, you know, did so much for my life. It uh, changed your life. It changed, yeah. I, I like to say it saved it. That sounds kind of melodramatic, but... I like to watch Criminal Minds on TV, you know, glutton, I guess. But uh, you watch that and you, you know, they tell the story of what what can happen when bad things aren't taken care of, aren't checked. And I think we're lucky in our area to have a place like the FNC um, and the people there for what they do. And that Kids on the Block program is still in existence today. It's All still in existence later, today. You just said you're 32 years old. You saw this when you were seven. Yeah. So and Fast forward to today, mm-hmm. it, it, it had that much of an impact on you and was so meaningful to you that you are on now on the board of Family Nurturing Center. Right. I'm on the board of directors for them um, because I, you know, I wanted to be part of their mission. They do... Such great work in so many different aspects. You know, they uh, they have that program, counseling. You know, they do family visitation to help keep families together when they're going through uh, difficult times. They just do so much, and I'm so privileged and honored to be able to be a part of that. I love that you had people in your life. You had a support system that encouraged you to talk about it. Yeah. Because your first instinct was to say nothing. Right. Which gives power to the perpetrator, doesn't it? does, it? yeah. It would have, you know, it would have allowed that person to keep going. And, yeah. you know, we later learned that the person who had done that to me, my abuser, uh, had been abused himself when he was younger. Mm. And that's an all-too-common story. But thankfully, you know, again, the cycle stopped at me. But it does break my heart to think that there are... <clears throat> You know, many children out there who that cycle is repeating. And what would you say to that person who's listening who might be in that situation? Oh, wow. You know, I think I would say to them, you know, the the cliche that it's it's not your fault. But, you know, you've been strong enough to to get through that now. And you have strength enough to tell someone uh Whoever it may be, you a know, trusted adult, trusted adult, parent, you know, uh, police officer on the street, if you have to, right? You know, tell your best friend who you know will tell their mom yeah. something. Get it out there because sometimes it's scary to tell an adult. You know, you think you're doing something bad. You think, you know, you you know that sexual things aren't what a kid should be doing, but it's. You know, no one's going to be mad at you. You know, people are going to be um, glad that you've told them, and they're going to be more than willing to help. What advice would you give to parents of children who you, you do yeah. your best to protect your kids? This is what we keep. I keep hearing that drumbeat mm-hmm. about protecting our children. Yeah, I, I think to them, trust your gut um, as best you can, but also I think. Uh, at the earliest age when you feel it's appropriate to have conversations with your child, with your children, to let them know what's good touching, what's bad touching, you know, what's okay, what's not okay, and what to do, yeah. you know. Um, and just to make them understand that, you know, you're a safe place to go to. The irony of this all is, you know, for stranger danger and, and things we've beat into kids, which... You know, obviously, there are bad strangers out there. But I remember once wanting to join the Boy Scouts, and I was raised by a single mom. This was, and I believe probably all of this was happening at the same time, but I, I wanted to join the Boy Scouts, but my mom wouldn't let me because she, the scout leader gave her the creeps. Wow. You know? But what she didn't realize is that it was happening in our own home. 
And, and that's not a critique on her at all, you know. She was doing what she thought was best. Yeah. But I think, you know, had I had the, the tools, had I known sooner, you know. And so to also parents, I guess I would say if the Family Nurturing Center isn't coming to your children's schools or even to your churches, to, you know, um, homeschooling groups, then they, they need to be. They will if you ask they them will to. If the, yeah, yeah. If you ask, they will come. We'll, we'll call you back up, Jeff, and say, hey, we need to raise more money to <laughs> go to five more schools, and that's that's what we'll do, right? Because Family Nurturing Center offers a wide range of educational services. Yes. Prevention, intervention services to really end the cycle. Yeah, and they don't just, uh, you're right, they help end the cycle. They help educate, counseling after the fact. They help with everything um, that you could imagine, even with uh, for the adults as well. Because um, as we mentioned, it's, you know, it may not be happening to the parent. Um, it's still a, it's still a trauma. It's still a shock. You as a parent, uh, I'm not a parent, but I'm sure you feel violated as well. You know, you think you're doing everything you can for your child and it, something like this happens. For anyone who's listening right now that feels they need help, mm-hmm. they can call 859-525-3200. That's the Family Nurturing Center's hotline, 859-525-3200. Or they can log on to familynurture.org. We're here to raise money for Family Nurturing Center because while Family Nurturing Center, the people who work for the Family Nurturing Center are on the front lines, they can't do it by themselves. Correct. It takes all of us. Yeah. It takes all of us. It takes a, you know, a community... Um, who's willing to stand up and say, you know, not here. Family Nurturing Center's vision is that we can one day be a community where abuse doesn't happen uh, of any kind, sexual, physical, emotional, neglect, you know, where none of that happens. And I think that's a beautiful vision. And I think it's something that, you know, Cincinnati and greater Cincinnati, we, we are a force of people, you know, we can do that together, even with just five bucks, ten bucks from each person, right? I think that's always the biggest thing. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, to give to a charity, to be a supporter, you have to give so much. Mm-mm. But you don't. It's little amounts that add up that will make a big difference. Well, if you want to make a big difference, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing this today. You know, th- th- 364 days a year. We have fun and we right. focus on pop culture and we do second date update. We tell our silly jokes. This Try is to buy a $20,000 T-Swizzy That's right. ticket, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so this is where we're asking you to please step up and be a part of this fight against child sexual abuse, any form of abuse, prevention. Any form, yeah. Prevention yeah. and education is key. Uh, you can make your donation, however small, familynurture.org. We actually put a link up on our website to make it easy. You can just go to WKRQ.com, click Giving Tuesday, and you'll see all the organizations we care about, including the one we're talking about right now, the Family Nurturing Center, and it'll take you right to their donation site. And if you need help, you can reach out to them either through the website or by calling 859-525-3200. Yeah, we would appreciate all the support and uh, that we can get us a great organization. Um, and I'm, you know, so happy to be a part of it. Curtis Clemens, thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. It was brave. Yeah, very. Absolutely. You know? And that program, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I want it to go to my daughter's school. You know, listening to him talk about that. And they will, if yeah. you ask them to. Well, and I know she's had some education about don't touch my body, but I don't think that, you know, she's very well versed in what is appropriate touching. What is? What, whatever, what is yeah. What, what is she comfortable Correct. with? And to speak up when she's not. Yeah. Also, Jeff, on our Q102 Facebook page, we have a link there um, where you can click through to donate to direct to your charity as well if people want to do that. Very cool. Uh, okay, so coming up, we're going to speak with a young man who has experienced more than anyone that age should have to but thanks to the family nurturing center he is thriving and using his experience to help others uh before we get to him i want to play i want to play a song for you that that actually i was watching willie geist over the weekend Mm -hmm. he had marcus mumford on Mm -hmm. 
Of Mumford and Sons? Of Mumford and Sons. And so, you know, COVID happened and they were kind of shut down for a while. And that gave him time to sort of brush up on his writing chops because he felt that his his songwriting skills had sort of atrophied during this period of time. And uh, so he went off and he just started writing, not really sure what he would use these songs for. And he found himself actually writing about abuse that he suffered as a child. Mm. It, it was cathartic for him because he never told anyone. And as he's playing the song, his parents, who happened to live in the apartment on the other side of the wall, they, they could hear the music. And his mother had asked him what the song was about. And that was when he told, told her, her, let it out, that he had been abused. So mm-hmm. he addresses that in this song that I'm going to play for you. And it's it's also about overcoming and how to begin again you know it, it leaves you with a sense of hope so i'll play this for you now and then and then we'll get to micah and Lindsay here in a minute but in the meantime if you do want to make a donation to the family nurturing center i'm going to share my story as well here a little bit later on for those of you who haven't heard it uh, you can go to our website wkrq.com click the giving tuesday link scroll down to family nurturing center uh, that's who we're focusing on this hour. Or you can go directly to their website, familynurture.org. We just set it up on our page because we just thought it would be easier. Familynurture.org or wkrq.com. Click Giving Tuesday. And this is Marcus Mumford. It's called Cannibal. Shut it out with new windows from Universal Windows Direct. Hi, Tim. Right now, buy one window, get one free. They also do siding, roofing, and doors. Call 513-755-1800. Check out uwdsouthwestohio.com. I love my windows. They've got that brand new home effect. Universal Windows Direct. Singing about uh, his experience with child sexual abuse, his personal experience. Uh, That's actually from his uh, new album. It's called Self-Titled. And the name of that song is Cannibal on Cincinnati's Q102. It's Giving Tuesday. Uh, This hour, we're focusing on an organization that's near and dear to my heart. It's the Family Nurturing Center. And uh, they're all about ending abuse in all forms, sexual or otherwise. Physical, uh, neglect. It's interesting. About a week ago, I got to... I got to sit down and talk with Lindsay and Micah. Uh, The story there is Micah was placed in Lindsay's foster home. Uh, He had been in foster care for about a year already at that point. But check this out. He was Lindsay's first foster child. And so here she is faced with the responsibility of this, you know, shy, scared eight-year-old who, as you can imagine, was very unsure of her or anyone due to some some real trauma he experienced before being placed in foster care. And so together, uh, they accessed the services of the Family Nurturing Center, and about a year and a half later, he was officially adopted. Yay, that's a great Love story. That. And this young man is now thriving. That's wonderful. And wait till you hear what he's been up to since. Uh, anyway, uh, Micah wanted to come in with with his adopted mom, Lindsay, so that they could share their story and hopefully others. And look, as you know, this is tricky subject matter when talking with kids. Sure. Uh, But Micah was accompanied by his mother and a staff member. Uh, we We didn't go into the ugly details of the abuse he suffered, but he does talk about his experiences with others to help them. And it helps him, mm-hmm. which is why I'm just, I'm so grateful that he and his adoptive mom, Lindsay, were willing to sit down with me and have this conversation. Definitely Family Nurturing Center helped us be able to do that. You know what I mean? Be able to like, have those. Speak to my, about my feelings and other stuff. Yeah, it definitely helped him. 
learn how to process that and be comfortable, I think, talking to me about that. So we're definitely grateful. Yes. So we met March last year. Um, NECO is who I signed up to foster through, and they reached out to me about Micah. Um, it was my first foster kid. I um, reached out to me about taking him as temporary placement. He got there, and two weeks after our temporary placement, we decided to make it a placement placement, work through the fostering system and stuff. And at that time, he was already um, enrolled and working with a therapist at FNC. So I just kind of picked up where they left off. But yeah, we've been together now almost two years. He was adopted in September. When I met him, he would have, had already started. He was probably there maybe just a few months at FNC. So when I got there, he hadn't got to his trauma part. He hadn't got to talking about experiences that he had with his birth mom and previous foster parents before me. Um, so when I got there, we kind of got right into that nitty gritty of his past. It's pretty brave to take on fostering uh, to yes. begin with. And I'm not going to... Um, fib when they first presented it to me i was kind of like i'm brand new like am i the right parent for him am i the right parent to parent someone who's been through all these things that i didn't know about and once i got into fnc and got with him i realized i am i am his parent i am meant to be his parent and they kind of taught me how to parent a kid who's been through trauma yeah what did they teach you that made you feel empowered that you could take this on they were constantly building up my confidence because from day one, I was very nervous about it. I didn't know how to, maybe he reacted to situations that may not have been a big deal, but mm-hmm. they kind of flared into a big deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to, didn't know what to do with that because to me, they weren't a big deal. But once I learned about what he had been through and they talked to me and kind of educated me on that, then I understood how to handle the outburst, handle the crying, handle the upset over something I didn't think was a big deal. Kind of weekly, I would sit in with his therapy. So I got therapy, too, actually, because they taught both of us him how to accept my love and me how to love him through it. You know, so they kind of helped us both tremendously. What did you think of Lindsay when you first Mm -hmm. met her, Micah? I was very nervous. And when I met her, I had a good feeling that um, I might get adopted by her. Yeah. And ever since then, I loved her so much. And I never want to be separated from her. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you talking about it. <laughs> so how would you say Family Nurturing Center helped you? They helped me a lot. Um, They had my back throughout the whole thing. They had, like, comforting toys to get my, like, mind off of it, and I was able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite toy? Um, one of the fidgets. <laughs> one of the fidgets that they had? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he had a stuffed animal, a tiger there, I believe, that um, he had, that he had every therapy with him, and when he graduated, he kind of got to take that home. Remember, yeah. the striped tiger was important to you there, too. Yes. What, what did this striped tiger represent to you? Um, it represent, um, like, me being brave and talking about all the stuff, my feelings, and it helped me through a lot of stuff. Kind of having, having someone who's got your back in a way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely, um, I think we've definitely worked through that, but the trust took a while trust issues took a while and that's what we talked about weekly on how i'm a safe parent what does a safe space look like um who can you talk to so he would pick five safe people that he knows if something ever happened who he can bring that up to um and they're aware of that and i think that's helped too um he's very comfortable in talking about things he's been through um he likes to help people i think he likes to share his story to kind of help other kids that maybe have been through that right Right. <laughs> He's definitely, um, we still get with his brother and sister, so we still make an effort to, they're all adopted, we're all adopted separate, but we still make an effort, um, I want him to grow up with them, so we still see them once or twice a month. Um, they come over, they have sleepovers at our house, that kind of thing, um, just so he can kind of keep that relationship. they all been through the same trauma, and they all have the same, you know, past, so definitely want them to have each other to kind of get through life as well, yeah. so... Remember how you always would tell kids if they've been in a trouble or they're coming to FNC or what do you think? I'd say to them, don't worry, they'd got your back because <laughs> they had our backs throughout the whole time I was there. Yeah, they did. 
and he went through, um, it's okay to talk about, but he went through his own abuse cases with his birth mom, um, sexual, physical, mental, all the above, also in his foster home before me. Wow. It was mental, um, emotional kind of thing. So when he came to me, he had been through quite a bit for the first eight years of his life. Yeah, I mean, that must have been terrifying when they moved you into mm-hmm. Lindsay's home. You had, you'd never met Lindsay before. There must have been a part of you that was like, is, is she going to hurt me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, he told me that he kind of thought that. What? Remember the dinners? He said he knew he was meant to be with me when I offered him two dinners the night I picked him up. I let him get McDonald's and pizza. <laughs> he said he knew then that was I was wow. meant to be his mom. <laughs> That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. And I that def- was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Beautiful it was. Relationship. He's, I couldn't be more proud of him. And I definitely think a big part of that is owed to FNC for him to be able to figure that out. Because when he came to me, there was a lot of things not figured out. Behaviors, emotions, all of that. And I think working with them helped him say it, feel comfortable about it, and me comfortable kind of hearing it and kind of what to do in the future for sure. Yeah. What would you tell other kids who have have been through the challenges that you've been through? What advice would you give? I'd advise them to, like, go find some help and, like, tell an, another adult and they could help you through other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that if you are in um, FNC, to, um, you're... Same thing with other people that are new to Heaven Seat. Don't worry, they got your back. Because <laughs> they had my back, mm-hmm. our backs. We had some pretty great people there. And every week we would come in, we definitely felt welcome, didn't we? Yes. Definitely our safe space to talk about things. and. So you made a lot of friends there. Yes, <laughs> I did. <laughs> he makes a lot of friends everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you seem like a pretty charismatic guy. You know what that means? No, I do not. <laughs> Means you got the kind of personality that makes people feel comfortable, you know. He is. He's a he's a lover and he's a leader and makes people want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> you know that, right? Yes. And I hear you're a pretty good student. Yes, I got all straight A's on both of my report cards. Really? Yeah, coming yes. through. Uh, coming from when he came with me, he was in second grade, and they talked about holding him back because of things. I said, just give me a little bit of time, and here we are, fourth grade, straight A's. Wow, killing it. Yeah, yes. he's going to be in the Simba in the lead in the school play. No he got, kidding. Yep, he got just got that role. He tried out two weeks ago, and he got that role too. So he's definitely killing. Was it. Was that scary to audition, or did you feel pretty confident? Um, it was pretty scary for me, but I got up there and tried my best, and it worked. Yes, that's it worked. awesome. Good for you. <laughs> you know, we talk to thousands of people on the radio every day, and sometimes I still get nervous. Yes. And he's quite the performer, so as much as he would be nervous, if you say, get up here and do something, he would get up and perform it. (laughs) So he might be nervous, but he's brave. (laughs) Wow. Well, I really appreciate you coming in here and talking with us. I think you're going to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. I do, too. I definitely um, have said this, and not just because he's mine, but I've said this from early on that he's going to change the world. He's so special, and he's so genuine that he's... Definitely going to do great things, and I'm proud to definitely be his mom. I think you're starting to change the world now. Yeah. (laughs) And you're proud to be his mom. I'm proud to be his mom, for sure. Well, thank you both for coming in. Mike, it was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure meeting you, Mr. Jeff. (laughs) Thank you. Is that great? How cute so cool. is he? So yeah. cool. He's so cool. So cool. Great. I love that. He just kept saying, they got your back. Yeah. They got your back, meaning like it's just such a trusted place where people can go no matter what is happening in their life. And that's spectacular. Family Nursery Center's got your back, especially mm-hmm. if you're a parent mm-hmm. or or a relative or a friend or someone who, you know, you know someone and you just want to find a way to help them. Uh they're a great way, a great organization to get in touch with because they're all about safe kids, thriving families. They work with communities because it's it's a team effort. Uh, it, it, it can't be done by just one person, and, and that's what they're all about. They care about kids and parents. They're a safe space for them to... Uh, express and process their feelings, as Micah pointed out. Well, and having the conversations. Like, as parents, it's hard. Like, how do you know what conversations and how do you have those safe conversations 
with your kids. They can help and you with that. And they help you with that, which is spectacular. Absolutely. They're, they're here to help you. They're here to help them, to love them through all the scary problems they face. Uh, and the Family Nurturing Center, as you heard, helps kids like Micah. But they can't do it without your support. That's why I'm dedicating my hour of Giving Tuesday to the Family Nurturing Center. Uh, you can make a huge difference. You can be a hero today. Go on our website, WKRQ.com. Click Giving Tuesday. Make your generous donation to the Family Nurturing Center or whatever you know, whatever is reasonable to you, whatever you can afford. Uh, or you can go directly to their site at FamilyNurture.org. It is 841, Jeff and Jen, Cincinnati's Q102. Coming up, uh, straight ahead, I'm actually going to share my story. We're going there because you need to hear how it can happen to anybody. That's all straight ahead next. But first, we got to try to give away some jewelry. It is bling in a box with James Free Jewelers. I've hidden a jewelry box somewhere in the tri-state. I give you clues. You find the box. You win the jewelry. You can win up to $3,000 worth of James Free Jewelry. So here are the clues so far for box number one. I've given you three already. So I'm going to review those and then give you the new one. Bling in a box here. Number 11, shopping at James Free is sheer heaven. I hid this box on Thanksgiving Day. It was bright outside, but no one could play. It's a dangerous spot. You might just bleed. I recommend gloves. It's an important need. Be in a hurry, but don't go fast. You could get busted and your fun won't last. A family place, a super great time. If you play hard, costs more than a dime. The reward is grand with silver and gold. Shopping at James Free never gets old. All right, here's the new clue. Heading north, it's big and brown. Around the bend, you'll smile, not frown. Wait a few months and the party is on. Get a hold of the box before it's gone. Heading north, it's big and brown. Around the bend, you'll smile, not frown. Wait a few months and the party is on. Get a hold of the box before it's gone. Go find the box. Another clue here tomorrow morning at 640. If you want it a few minutes early, 635, it'll be on James Free's Facebook page. All right. Coming up, Giving Tuesday continues as we support the Family Nurturing Center this hour. But first, quick break. Check the roads. Here's Denise. Yes, each of us today, we're, uh, we're, we're given an hour to raise money and focus on promoting a nonprofit, an organization that is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, Jen, earlier this morning at the 7 o'clock hour, she was uh, laser-focused on the Ken Anderson Alliance. Yes, my people. And uh, this hour, I'm focusing on the Family Nurturing Center, which is uh, an organization that's near and dear to my heart because they're all about ending the cycle of child abuse. And so we have uh, set up an opportunity for you to make a gift on our website at WKRQ.com, click Giving Tuesday, uh, and you'll be able to just kind of scroll down. You'll see the Family Nursery. I think it comes like right after KAA. Probably. And, and hopefully you'll make a donation to them as well. We have all the links up too. We have them on, if you, that, that's not your thing, you can do it via Facebook, Instagram. We have it on our Instagram stories. So there's many, many ways you can give those gifts. Right. Uh, And one of the reasons why the Family Nurturing Center is important to me is because I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. Uh, And and I'm going to share my story here with you so that you know how easily it can happen to anyone, especially a child. And and some thoughts I personally have on how to end the cycle of abuse, to find healing, uh, and to protect our children moving forward. This is a story that I've told before, but it, somebody somebody said to me, it occurred to me that it had been like five or six years, so there's probably a lot of people who haven't heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to take you through the details so that you know how I was targeted, how I was groomed, and how it happened. It goes back to when I was I was a kid. I was in the fourth grade. I was Micah's age. And I'm, you know, I'm this, uh, I was this, you know, kind of awkward little kid who loved radio. 
there was just something I can't explain it, guys. There was just something about the medium of radio that fascinated me. I was I was so intrigued by how it worked. And as I got older and I sort of developed an understanding of radio, it just seemed like a really cool way to make a living. And I was very lucky because my my hometown's public high school just outside Boston had a 10-watt educational student-run radio station. And the school's audiovisual department had kind of served as the station's faculty advisor. And every year that, that little high school radio station would host a, a fundraiser. Uh, they would do it for a local charity by giving free airtime to anyone who made a donation. So here I am, I'm in the fourth grade, and I convinced my stepfather to give me some money so I could talk on the radio. And the next thing I knew, I'm down to the high school, and I'm, I'm sitting in the little studio, and I got a pair of headphones on, and I, they, they gave me a little children's book to read. And I got to read it on the radio, and that was like the biggest thrill of my life, no joke. Uh, so the faculty advisor that I reference, he's standing on the other side of the glass, and he's watching me from nearby, and he sees how excited I am to be there. And the guy turns to my stepfather, and he said, you know, listen, he's not, he's not old enough to get his own time slot, but listen, he's welcome to hang out here anytime he wants after school. And so every day, you know, I'd run home from school, do my homework real quick. And I'd run to the high school and I'd kind of make a pest of myself at the radio station doing this, that, or the other thing, sort of like as a gopher, as an intern, you know, to the bigger kids. And, you know, most, I, feel, I assume most of the older high school kids thought I was kind of annoying, but they tolerated me anyway. So the station's faculty advisor uh, said, listen, you know, if you want to work on the radio, you have to have a license. And that, and that was true. Back in the day, you had to have an FCC license. It was an FCC broadcaster's license. That was a requirement for anyone broadcasting over a radio transmitter. So the guy said to me, he says, look, if you study hard, you pass the test, you get your license, I'll make an exception to the rules. I'll let you co-host a one-hour show once a week after school. Even though the rules limit access to high school kids, we'll make an exception for you if you pull this off. And I could not have been more excited to study anything in my life. Uh, what's interesting about that is I was nine years old. I had an undiagnosed learning disability. Yet I somehow managed to learn everything there was to know about U.S. obscenity laws. You know, what you could or could not say on the radio, how to calculate the station's transmitter power, the rules and regulations of the emergency broadcast system. And so right before I turned 10, I actually aced that test, went down to the Customs House building in Boston, took the FCC test, Got my third class FCC broadcaster's license. Meanwhile, my life at home was um, tough. Yeah, my father left us years earlier. And my mother's uh, second husband, my, my stepdad, battled alcoholism and demons of his own. And uh, so the radio station for me was kind of an escape, you know, as a way for, for a socially awkward kid like me to connect with people because they didn't really know how to always do it in person. And it was also the first thing I ever really excelled at. And uh, one day the radio station's faculty advisor asked me to go for a ride with him. And you know, because he was the audiovisual department head, it wasn't that unusual for him to take a kid with him to run a film projector or some piece of equipment from one school building to the other. You know, and I just, I was stoked that he picked me out of all the other kids because it meant I was going to get one-on-one attention from the coach. And, and that was the first time I became a survivor of sexual abuse. And I'll give you this statistic. 80% of sexual abuse happens in isolated one-on-one situations. And for me, it was always in his car. And I can tell you that 90% of children who are sexually abused are abused by someone they know or trust. And this was a man I knew and trusted. Uh, this was also a man who had immense power over me because 
he he could take away the one thing that mattered the most to me. And you've heard how sexual abusers sometimes give special gifts to draw children to them. The gift he tempted me with was the chance to do the one thing I was actually good at, to be part of a team, to win approval, acceptance, friends. And for a kid like me, who you know wasn't really great at anything else, the prospect of losing those things terrified me. So I wasn't about to challenge this adult and say no. So with every muscle in my body clenched tight, I closed my eyes and pretended I was somewhere else. And uh, yeah, that's something I never forgot. After it happened, I, uh, yeah, I was paralyzed, numb. I know, I know what people mean when they say it felt like their soul left their body. But worse than that, I also felt pretty filthy, felt violated. And uh, I wasn't about to tell anyone what happened to me because I was embarrassed, was ashamed. I was certain people wouldn't believe me or worse, think that I had somehow invited it. And I was afraid I was going to lose everything that mattered to me. So I just convinced myself that that did not happen. That did not happen. And I managed to reprogram myself the second time he molested me. And the time after that, and the time after that, and the time after that. So anyway, over time, I I learned to dodge and weave. I I became very good at avoidance. I figured out that, you know, if I set my volunteer hours at the station during times I knew he wouldn't be there, uh, that would help me kind of fly under the radar. And I just, I got very good at learning how to disappear. Eventually, he lost interest in me, but, you know, by that point, years had passed, and uh, that messes a kid up. That can really mess a kid up, and and years went by before I ever told a soul about what happened to me, but, you know, the interesting thing is, and I, I, we ta- I talked about this with Curtis during our conversation earlier this hour, and I know I'm going long, sorry, but... I was convinced that everyone knew, despite the fact that I didn't say a word to anybody, I, in my mind, I was certain everybody knew. It felt to me, it felt like I had a big tattoo on my forehead that, you know, that marked me as someone deserving of abuse. That's how I felt. And, and before long, you know, I just, over the years, I, I became increasingly self-conscious and more socially awkward than I was before. I was withdrawn. I was angry. I was racked with guilt. And I just, I think about how, how all those years of inner turmoil following what happened may have been different had someone, you know, had, had I had the kind of resources that the Family Nurturing Center provides. And the interesting thing is, I always bring this up whenever we talk about it with my adult brain. I, I get it. I intellectually understand that I was a that I was a victim of sexual abuse. There's that moment, you know, none of us have ever forgotten. Anybody who's ever seen, uh, oh, God, it's escaping me now. The one with Robin Williams and uh, Matt Damon. Goodwill hunting. Goodwill hunting. Anybody who's ever seen that moment where Robin Williams is having that conversation in his office with Matt Damon and he says over and over again, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. 
But, you know, a lot of us who are survivors of uh, abuse, you know, we battle these demons of self-hatred that come from the misguided belief that the abuse somehow was our fault. So, that, you know, that's why we feel ashamed. And what do we do when we, when we feel ashamed? We shut up. We silence ourselves. We tell no one. And what does that do? It just enables the perpetrator to keep doing it. The predator. So anyway, that, that's why I'm sharing my story with you. I know it's ugly. I know it's uncomfortable to listen to. But I'm sharing it with you, not so you'll feel sorry for me. I'm sharing this with you to change the way society reacts and responds to child sexual abuse because there are real horror stories behind the statistics that we shared with you here today. And the Family Nurturing Center, I can tell you, is one of the most well-equipped arsenals that we got. They're on the front lines, providing the necessary resources that offer opportunities for healing and forgiveness. Not so that we forget what happened to us, but so that we have the chance to feel whole again. And stop the cycle from repeating itself. Can't do it alone, though. Honest to God, we need your support. And... You know, look, the good news is everyone can be part of the change to end the cycle of child abuse. Of course, the sobering news is that everyone has to be part of that change to end the cycle of child abuse. It's, uh, it's a job that's, you know, too big for the small handful of people, God bless them, that have dedicated their lives to healing individuals and their families. But it, it does require all of us. So I'm, I'm wrapping this up. I'm sorry I went long, but th- this is the only way we're going to reverse the statistics, and that's why we're doing this today. comes down to you and me right here, right now. I'm asking for your gift to the Family Nurturing Center, the organization I've chosen for my hour on Giving Tuesday. Go to the website, wkrq.com. Click Giving Tuesday. Scroll down. You'll see, you'll see the Family Nurturing Center. Or if you prefer, you can go right directly to their site, familynurture.org. Let's do this. Totally. Thanks for sharing your story, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Thank you for listening. It's brave of you to share that. I appreciate that. And in fairness, you know, I don't want that to, and I know you don't mean this, not to imply that those who are, not who sure. haven't said it aren't mm-hmm. brave, but you know opportunities present themselves at different times. Mm-hmm. But they're there for you if you need them. Familynurture.org. Again, go to the website wkrq.com. Click Giving Tuesday, and thanks again. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Q102 Jeff and Jen Morning Show Podcast, brought to you by CVG Airport. Fly healthy through CVG. For more information, go to CVG Airport backslash fly healthy.